Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. The intro song, Fishing for Pets, is written and composed by Alan Goldscher from his latest release, Live at the Lakeview Lounge. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Today's guest is Chris Zhu. He's the founder of Mirror World, a metaverse ecosystem with artificial intelligence capacities that allows a character, an NFT, to learn from its interactions with its owner and gameplay situations. In the Mirror World ecosystem, characters can take what they learn from one game on the platform and apply it to another game within the Mirror World ecosystem. Think of taking an AI version of Luigi from Mario Brothers and putting him in a Sonic the Hedgehog game. That's what Mirror World is building. In this episode, we talk about why Chris is innovating the NFT space, how artificial intelligence works, and how future developers will be able to build on the open source ecosystem. I hope you enjoy my conversation. Chris. All right, guys. So we're really excited uh, today. We have Chris Zhu. He's the founder of Mirror World. We haven't really uh, had a guest talk to us at any point in time about um, you know the metaverse and NFT gaming. So uh, welcome on board, Chris. Really excited to learn more about Mirror World. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. There's so many questions because there's a lot going on there. You know, we're talking about artificial intelligence using NFTs and gaming. And I know you've done this quite a, quite a few times, kind of explaining what Mirror World is. But if you can give us like a quick rundown of, you know, how you are kind of changing the game a little bit with NFTs and, uh, and gaming in the metaverse. Yeah, uh, glad to explain uh, what Mirror World is. So on a very high level, Mirror World is essentially an AI-powered asset interoperability layer. What that means is that every single one of our NFTs is powered by a set of algorithms that allowed them to have their own personality uh, and behave according to that personality. So users can actually interact with their NFTs by either chatting to them or uh, interacting them with them within our games. And through that, every interactivity is locked on chain. Uh, so we can track that changes of interaction between the different games or metaverses that we, we produce, as well as other you know, developers produce in the process. We have a pretty mature toolkit to allow for um, blockchain gaming to actually be developed relatively quickly and for creators to create content within the ecosystem. And mirrors will be the NFTs that are used to enter all of these different metaverses. So one set of NFTs into different games and really focus on that asset interoperability that people really talk about. But we are trying to make that happen for the ecosystem. Yeah, there's so much to unpack there. When you're talking about like interacting with your NFT or, 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 you know, even talking to your NFT, like, what does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, so once you purchase one of our NFTs, what, what, what we really wanted to recreate is the sense of actually conversing with your you know, uh, companion, right? Uh, and NFTs uh, in the metaverse are characters that could represent either your identity or uh, a digital world's native identity. So that interaction really looks like something uh, where, where you log into uh, you know, your wallet, and then you get access to actually a conversation uh, with one of the digital assets that you own uh, in a hosted service that pr- that's provided by us uh, or by other developers. And like within the games, if your NFT has its own personality, then when you act, uh, for example, if you 
wanted to run towards your NFT and your NFT is really shy, the personality traits that it has is a shy one, then they would just run away. So all of these behaviors are, 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 you know, exemplified according to their personalities. And, and I guess that, my question then would be, cause now I'm, I'm getting like, um, uh, her vibes. I don't know if you, if you know what I'm talking about that film. Yeah. 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 I love that film <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know the film. Right. Um, and you can help me too, Chris, the Joaquin Phoenix's character falls in love with, uh, this AI that he talks to and, and, you know, and, and it's really a companion, you know, it becomes his best friend. So I'm cu- kind of curious, like what kind of personality traits do these NFTs have? Are they pre-programmed or can they go in any sort of direction because of your like AI algorithms? Right. So actually all of the NFTs, uh, the language models are not pre-programmed. So we only have one set of algorithms and then you can have a, you know, a ton of different conversations with the AI, depending on what the AI really generates uh, itself. You know, it's generative model where uh, it can really go any direction and we don't limit that. However, there are certain fine tuning that we've done to the model so that it resembles certain characters that uh, our users can actually identify. For example, some of them talk like Elon Musk and the other ones like Kanye West. The reason why we didn't, didn't focus on, you know, your virtual girlfriend, right? Uh, her is essentially a virtual assistant that has emotional connectivity was because we think that the technology one is just not not so fit for having a companion at all times to kind of have that virtual assistant uh, and two we really want our users to actually be able to tune their personalities and really talk to the ones that they liked and like if you have a one set of virtual assistant for all of the users then there's not as much customizable traits right so we chose these entertainment celebrities so that people can actually identify who they're talking to really easily and really have fun with it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I guess I should even take take a step back. The NFT gaming, let me kind of clarify what I'm saying here. The NFT gaming space has been criticized, right? Because in a lot of ways, the graphics or the technology is kind of taking us back a good 25 to 30 years. And so people are going crazy just because it's an NFT. But in reality, not much is different from what you could get from like a, a, su- a Super Nintendo or Nintendo 64, my, my generation. So my question is, why build mirror world, right? Why, why go in this direction? Yeah. Um, so when we talk about the NFT gaming uh, issues that you just mentioned, I think one big problem was that people are not actually emphasizing the value of NFTs. So they were using, you know, these games as a financial instrument to really drive, uh, you know, investors into the ecosystem and kind of have this spiral uh, of users drive in, uh, in hopes of like more users at the back. Right. So I think that's definitely not a sustainable model where you're literally just waiting for a death spiral to happen because you're paying out, you know, uh, token emissions, uh, based on new entrance fees that they're, they're paying. However, I think NFT does have its, uh, really, really special value of digital asset ownership identification in the metaverse or in the digital world. So we call it, uh, so we wanted to focus on that layer of things. So. Once we thought about, you know, what does a digital world that we would want to live in uh, forever? For example, uh, you would want to be in Ready Player One, right? Like spend a lot of time there um, Mm -hmm. uh, in Oasis. So like games like that actually had quite a bit of, um, you know, native characters that behave based on their own personalities in the virtual world. That really represents the the worldview or the lore of that world. Uh, and that's the first thing that we wanted to actually create is uh, characters that can actually represent their own digital world. Uh, and then two was that NFTs actually allow us to have uh, authentication uh, and verification of like who owns this asset. And that does not just happen in one single game, but in a myriad of games. So for example, in Web2, 
when you're playing Nintendo, right? Like, let's say you played Mario on the、uh, Donkey Kong game for the first time as the plumber, and then you get to see that Mario、uh, in you know Odyssey, in platform jumping games, in the racing games, in every single game that、uh, Nintendo produces later on. Um, but they're using the same set of assets. That's essential interoperability. But the ownership、um, requires a central authority, which is Nintendo, to actually, you know, benefit off of. But if it's a Web three space and people are building on top of these,、um, you know, AI powered NFTs, these items and the assets can actually be interoperable through the different games、uh, without a central entity controlling all of the profits. So that's what we wanted to, you know, change.、Uh, and essentially,、uh, right now we can allow、uh, one of these NFTs to be going into、uh, three、uh, for for the first half of this year. There will be three games in our pipeline, and、uh, essentially they can go into any of the three games, whether it be two D representation or three D representation. That's awesome. So, and that was kind of getting into my my next question. Within the Mirror World ecosystem, right now you have three games, all kind of you know with different、uh, roles that you can play, different missions. And so, what you're saying is you could take your one character and you can play that one character in all three of those games. Exactly. So, like if you have your Pikachu, your Pikachu can be riding a bike, or your Pikachu can be battling other Pokemon's as well. And we wanted to recreate that sense of you know having your digital companion, but at the same time,、uh, really have that asset、uh, be owned by you, by the users. Here's a part that kind of blows my mind a little bit: is if your one character, if your one NFT can learn in one game, does it take the learnings, right, or whatever it's experienced from that one game, and then can it apply it into the second or third game, even if those games are different? Yeah, I think that's actually、uh, the most interesting part: is that we don't define the ways that your character learn. So we offer this、uh, this mechanism where you can chat with your character, interact with it to level it up. What we call like intelligence level. The more you interact with it, the more、uh, time you spend with it. Essentially, we assume that the value of this asset is higher, right? And then throughout the gaming universe, the developers that are developing these games can use that data however they want. So they can essentially claim,、um, you know, a higher reward drop. In one of the games, because their asset has a higher intelligence level, or if they wanted to play,、um, you know, into a racing game for a faster track speed,、uh, maybe that that their asset can also do that. So we don't limit the ways that the developers,、um, you know, utilize that data intelligence levels.、Uh, for us, the first two games,、uh, there will be higher drop rates, there will be higher reward curves,、um, as well as like a faster clearance speed if your、uh, mirror is a higher level than the other. So it's an upgradable、uh, smart contract that we've. Deployed on、uh, both Solana and Ethereum that actually correlates the in-game plays. So I think that's really cool that、uh, some of our developers have been able to connect all of those games with this interaction memory or log on the chain. This learning, right? All of that learning that the NFT is doing through AI, it actually gets recorded on the blockchain. So、uh, we don't record all of the chat histories that you have with your NFT or the, all of the interaction data. Uh, what we do, however, is we we log the action itself. So let's say、um, you are talking to your NFT、uh, three times a day.、Uh, we log the change of that three times, and then、um, once you talk to it for maybe thirty times, you level it up, and that level can be、uh, activated by paying a bit of gas fee. So in that moment, we are essentially logging that change on chain, but not necessarily all of that data、uh, users are providing to to the system. Got it. Okay, and so then once once you're kind of upgrading your NFT, you know, through these interactions and maybe through other rewards that you offer in the game, like you said, once it reaches a certain level, that does get recorded. So,、uh, in essence, right, 
your NFT becomes more valuable as well, right? Because now you get, you, you're kind of creating a more developed character. And I guess what I'm getting at is if, if someone wants to resell it, maybe a, a developed NFT is more valuable than one that hasn't been kind of interacted with as much. Right. I, I think that's our assumption, but it's also for the market to decide, right? I, I think what we've seen so far is that some users are actually less prone to selling their NFTs because they've spent a lot of time interacting with it. Mm-hmm. They kind of grow this like in- really interesting dynamic where like the sell pressure on a certain collection is really low because the users that have been conversing with their character just actually grow fond of like the character itself. So I think there's two layers to it. Obviously, the value part, uh, a lot of users will be you know, paying attention to. But on the other side, we really do want users to be able to develop an emotional connection with a certain character in the universe. Just like, you know, Web2 Gaming, when um, you have spent a lot of time using a single character, that becomes kind of your, you know, your main. Uh, and we think that stays true for Web3 games and actually augments that ownership. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. That, that is so true. As far as like, uh, as far as like, the big picture stuff here. And this is my, my kind of question. If you can, if you can explain it to, to the audience and myself, how does AI work, right? Because whenever someone mentions artificial intelligence, my mind kind of just it goes to a blur. I just kind of think of this blur and maybe like some, you know, wires going around. But, you know, could you explain like how AI is actually incorporated into something like this? Yeah, so our team has historically been in artificial intelligence, working on MMORPG and large-scale open-world games, where we wanted to utilize the technology to make these characters more interactive uh, and really behave more like humans. And two routes that we focused on when we were developing the tech stack were, uh, one, language. So we think that language is central to all human connection, right? Um, and we wanted to recreate that reality feeling of like you having a conversation with someone. So that's the first aspect. And then the second aspect was behavior, where, um, you know, depends on the current situation and your kind of personality, uh, you always react differently to the environment stimulus. So that part, we use deep reinforcement learning to simulate environments. Uh, and then we use uh, algorithms like decision tree, uh, like clusters of them to kind of recreate that decision-making process. And like how it actually gets done is that we have uh, a database of, uh, let's say, responses from certain users. And then we train that data set and then find the optimized algorithm to use in a certain scenario. For example, uh, if we want to have a chatbot or like a conversational AI and it needs to be you know, deployed to everyone uh, that owns an NFT, then it's on, on the mass scale and people are talking to it on a daily basis, then we might you know, optimize for a smaller compute cost uh, where we you know, deploy the algorithm on uh, GPUs, like the, the same GPUs that you are mining Bitcoin with can also be running uh, one of our you know, models. And then um, users will be able to call from these models and then just directly interact with their uh, NFTs with a hosted service. However, that access itself is gated uh, with the NFT. So the, the service is partially centralized. Uh, the interaction is logged on chain. The access uh, is gated by, by the chain. So that's essentially how, how it runs. You describing that, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, are there limits to how an owner can interact with their NFT? So... You know, I'm thinking about like how you might ask or one might ask Siri like a silly question or, you know, maybe say a curse and and Siri very politely kind of changes the the topic or says, I don't understand what you're saying. Right. Are there certain barriers that certain users like might have when they're trying to, you know, maybe curse at the NFT or or make it a certain way that maybe isn't totally appropriate? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, So there are definitely like really sensitive topics that we have. uh you know, uh, censorship keywords for. 
uh-huh. uh, when it comes to you know some of the more older stuff. But at the same time, if you want to curse at some of the NFTs, like for example, we have a couple characters that resemble the personality of certain rappers. If you want to curse at them, obviously there should be no limit of them cursing back at you, right? Okay. Um, so, so the AI really also depends on the personality that it's resembling. Yeah, no, that, that that's really fascinating. Uh, that that interaction, and I'm kind of wondering how how that's going to play out. You know, some people really might you know just love their love their character and and be you know very polite to it, and I could see other people just kind of like. Going a different, uh, going a different direction, but that also is kind of fascinating. So, thank you for explaining kind of like the the NFT world. Now, I just kind of want to go and, and go through some bullet points. Um, there are eleven thousand uh, NFT. So, there, there's at the moment you can have eleven thousand different characters in the game. There's three games to play, and then the last thing I wanted to touch on was if you could touch on on the soul chip. And I'm wondering if that was also what you were talking about in terms of like recording the data and having some stuff recorded on the blockchain. Yeah, uh, so the Soul Chip is essentially a gated access for other communities to to uh, encounter our service, right? Um, so we wanted to actually be able to share this technology with a lot of other uh, communities as well. We've had a selection process where the community applies for a Soul Chip, and we are able to combine a Soul NFT uh, with a you know collection of PFP uh, or you know 3D characters that that are minted um, by by the community. So um, that allows for interactivity across different projects and for us to connect different projects to our ecosystem as well. Uh, and that's what a so NFT is. Uh, and we've had, I think, over 1,700 users claim a so NFT across different projects, maybe 15 or 20 different projects. And people have been you know, interacting and really experiencing that uh, interactivity uh, on chain. Yeah, when I thought about your soul chip, I thought about, um, and I don't know if you're familiar with the the Vitalik Buterin, he he published a paper about soulbound tokens, and basically talking about how um, that develops somebody's identity, web through identity, and it kind of records right. a lot of their uh, interactions and, and kind of their trustworthiness as well. And so you're talking about kind of doing the same thing, right? Like this interoperability and having other users kind of interact with each other. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, soulbound entities are non-transferable uh, and they're kind of a uh, identification for, for example, like your college degree, your work experience, stuff like that. And I think that actually adds on to your, your virtual identity, your own virtual identity. Uh, and we wanted to mirror that with, uh, you know, soul NFTs where we think that in the metaverse or in the digital world, there should not just be us like humans from reality, right? There should be native beings in the digital world. And how do you represent those identity? is the issue that we are trying to solve uh, and the, the way that we are trying to develop it. So whether it be like the worldview that the digital beings are living in uh, or the interactions that they have with humans or the personalities that they have within the worlds, um, those are all aspects of the ecosystem that we build. Yeah, definitely. So we talked a little bit about the gameplay and about you know the learning that's going involved, the AI that's involved, really, really interesting stuff. And then we've touched on it already, but I want to kind of delve in a little deeper on that is, and I'm quoting from the, from, from the paper I read here, it says, that you're going to have a token system and under the shared token system mirror world will be open, autonomous, self-sustained and asset interchangeable, which means that basically are, are you setting up the ecosystem, your, you know, the, the video game platform or the, the playing platform so that other people, other developers can come in, in inside and, and kind of change or, or, or put in their own programs as well. Exactly. Uh, so that's actually one of the key focus areas we have for the next couple months. Um, so we've seen that there is a high demand for a structured 
toolkit, like SDK layer, contract SDK, authentication, and stuff like that for Web2 studios to enter into the Web3 space. At the same time, they are actually attracted by good content as well. So, for example, a worldview framework, uh, a narrative framework that actually resonates with the Web3 audience. Uh, at, we, we thought that, you know, Mirror is at the perfect intersection to actually combine those two aspects. And since we've developed a set of games that are interoperable, we have a framework that allows for, you know, new developers to join the system and build on top of it. And we actually focus on three, uh, three sets of toolkits. Uh, one on, on and off chain tracking. So like uh, all of the tokens that you have, uh, the NFT tokens, as well as the, the SPL tokens, they can be tracked within the game as well as like outside of the game on chain. Um, and then two uh, are essentially the contract SDKs, the mintable, upgradable, and tradable contracts that we've already developed for our ecosystem. Uh, and then three, obviously, is going to be uh, the user experience side where you have payment systems and authentication. And that is really, really important for any game to succeed because you need a seamless flow where like the user is in their mind flow, right? And then they want to be able to experience that world with uh, little to no disturbances. So. Once we have these toolkits consolidated in the ecosystem, we will be onboarding game developers more and more. And we've actually started to you know, discuss with some of the developers uh, within the ecosystem, and they have been applying to you know, use the toolkits. And we will be incentivizing these developers with the tokens that we launch as well. So contrary to how Web2 has really gated the access of uh, certain IPs, for example, Nintendo really hand selects and like, limits the number of developers that can actually utilize their assets to create and commercialize. We really want to be incentivizing that so that the nodes or the developers as nodes uh, can really create on top of these existing frameworks. If I can characterize it, right? And maybe maybe I'm off base and please correct me if I'm wrong here. So is this almost sort of like um, a Web3 decentralized version of say Roblox where you have the ecosystem and then anybody within this ecosystem can go ahead and build their own world or game. Yeah, uh, so that's a little bit different because Roblox essentially creates an editor, a visual editor uh, to allow for like UGC components. Um, and I think Sandbox is doing something similar or uh, from ideology perspective mm -hmm. to Roblox. For our perspective, we think that Roblox actually limits uh, too much creative like kind of boundaries. For example, the visual style of uh, the games that you can produce. There are... Um, certain types of games that are more suitable in Roblox and others maybe not as much. Uh, so we wanted our developers to actually have that free freedom of using Unity or Unreal or uh, you know Coco's Creator to create the games that they really like without the limitations of the visual and physics engines. However, we can actually make those games into Web3 games uh, with, with the toolkits that we provide to them. So I think to answer your question, it's more like a decentralized community-owned uh, version of Nintendo rather than Roblox. Yeah, that, that makes sense how, how diverse Nintendo can be. And then one of the last things, I guess, and you talked about a community-centered, uh, community-owned, you did talk about the tokens, the tokenomics uh, in Mirror World and being able to have like a governance, right? Starting a DAO. How does the DAO fit into this whole ecosystem? Yeah, I think the DAO initially will be uh, an approval process where there will be treasury board, product board, as well as governance boards uh, to really pick the right developers to uh, join in the ecosystem and grant, you know, um, large scale projects, different, different, you know, token incentives, as well as uh, development costs. Uh, so it's almost like a publishing platform where the DAO acts as uh, one of the key, you know, holders. And then uh, the DAO also has another component of the in-game governance where like our players get to choose like the reward systems, the game's uh, next steps uh, and stuff like that. So 
I think there are two layers. One is out-game governance and one is in-game governance. And within game, uh, we want to kind of reward uh, not only the token holders, but also the NFT and token holders uh, with a higher weighted uh, governance power. Uh, and then in the out-game governance system, you know, token is going to actually determine uh, your weighted voting power. So those are the two layers of the DAO where um, you are developing, uh, you know, you're choosing the, the games to develop with the out-game governing. Uh, and then it, within the games, how the mechanisms, the reward systems are determined is also voted by the DAO. The last question I kind of want to see, you know, people have, have listened to the podcast. They, they want to, they're interested in learning more about the game. They want to try it out. They want to check it out. How can they go about doing that? The first things first, I would imagine is, you know, maybe do a little research, go on the website, uh, and then maybe buy one of the NFTs. And then what, what else do you suggest? Yeah, yeah, obviously. Uh, first thing first, check out mirrorworld.fun. That's where we have all of the information regarding the worldview, the lore, uh, the, the frameworks and the toolkits that we have, right? Um, and then second step is going to happen, you know, whether our marketplace or on a secondary market on Solana, where we are deploying our games right now. Um, so definitely buy one of the passes, right? The NFTs act as one of the one pass uh, to the entire ecosystem. And then I think uh, on the other side, we are welcoming developers from all sorts of uh, industries to join our ecosystem. So do reach out in our socials, Discord, uh, Twitter, uh, and just let us know like what you guys are building and how you want to integrate with the ecosystem. And yeah, like I think those action steps would be your best way to get involved. And, and quick question, when, when you buy that, that pass, when you buy one of the NFTs, are people able to, to play the game right now? Or, or is that something that's kind of going to be debuted shortly? Yeah, yeah. So we have done community alpha tests uh, multiple times, and we are constantly improving the game with the community. Uh, so NFTs will be required pass to the ecosystem when it's public beta right now. Uh, the community can actually get access to the testable versions uh, first already. Uh, and we will have the first two games rolled out before mid-July in the next coming months. So once that happens, uh, the NFTs will be, you know, the gated passes for the games. Finally, Chris, where's the best way? Where, where are you active on social media so people can follow you? Yeah, uh, so follow Join Mirror World uh, on Twitter. Uh, and my personal account is uh, Chris Zhu. I, I can probably leave a link somewhere, but definitely you know, follow us uh, on socials. Chris, uh, so, such a really cool uh, project. Um, thank you for taking the time to, to talk about it and explain it. Uh, really kind of just a, a different thing here that you're building. So um, uh, thank you for doing that for the NFT and the metaverse space. Yeah, thank you for having me as well. Um, love the conversation. I really hope to you know see some of you within the community. Absolutely. Well, take care, Chris, and, and best of luck with everything. We'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks for having me again. Chris describes what he's doing as building the Nintendo of the metaverse. That's a lofty goal, but one that Chris and his team are fully capable of realizing. What he's doing is building in a way that sets it apart from everything that has gone wrong in the NFT metaverse gaming system. Chris is building a product of the future and not sticking to Web2 conventions for ideas that require Web3 innovation. Thanks again to Chris for coming on the podcast and a big thanks to you as always for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, let others know about it or leave a review or a comment. Until the next time, take care.